Blue Crew, now that we're friends, I've decided to make you my new project. You really don't have to do that. I know. That's what makes me so nice. Whenever I see someone less fortunate than I, and let's face it, who isn't less fortunate than I, my tender heart tends to start to bleed. And when someone needs a makeover, I simply have to take over. I know, I know exactly what they need. And even in your case, Though it's the toughest case I've yet to face Don't worry, I'm determined to succeed Follow my lead And yes, indeed You will be And that's enough of that. Back to the show! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on September 6, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the extra lore topic for August, Halo. This particular episode is going to serve what we lovingly called the advanced session of the week's exploration, so congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive, or, you know, couldn't just, you know, let us just leave you hanging from the intro. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of all who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. This is always awkward when she does this. Aw, did we lose green? Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and this is Green Eye Music Lover. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know. I, yeah, I have no idea. I, I'm done. <laughs> oh my god! And last, and last, I guess pins. You are the least, I guess, on this one because yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you can beat that one. Nope. <laughs> in the, in the hot try. seat as guest goes, we have our good friend Pins Halo. Pins, how are you doing? You gotta know your limitations. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me tonight. <laughs> Love you, Tim. So <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> you know, I'd love to say that I came up with that, but I totally didn't. And I stole it from Raz and Chat. She's like, "Play careless whisper us." Okay, I will do this. This will be a thing. Uh, oh my God. Raz, I owe you, I definitely owe you a uh, all I have to sometimes. Okay? All I all I have to say, Green, is um, did you capture that on Audacity? Did I capture it on Audacity? I bet I did because it's going through the okay, same good. mic that's okay. recording in Audacity. Yes. Okay. Congratulations, and then I don't have to go and re relive that hilarity too badly. <laughs> um, so. Uh, enough with the shenanigans um i know everyone is looking forward to diving into the discussion so let's uh let's just get right into it and you know pins like i said i'm kind of gonna just turn this over to you to kind of walk us through the secondary characters that we talked about in the intro session um so 
I don't know. Do you want to start with the didact? Do you want to start with a different one? Yeah, I think I think what we'll do, um, <clears throat> we'll start with a didact. Um, probably most familiar with the one that's most familiar with everybody on um, everyone here, and uh, anyone who's played the Halo games should know who the didact. Um, all right, so um, the didact is a character that we were introduced in Halo Four. Um, he was. At first glance, he was the main antagonist of that game, um, but in reality, his storyline was kind of secondary to the main storyline of trying to get Cortana back to Earth and and saved. Um, but he's a really, really interesting character, um, and like I said in the in the first part, um, he's he's a tragic one. Um, so I know in a previous episode we've kind of gone over forerunners. Um, Forerunners was a were, were a race of uh, beings um, that kind of ruled the galaxy um, in a pre-game era. I guess is the only way to really explain it. Um, and the Didact <clears throat> was their uh, was the head of their military. Um, he was born in a in the in the rate of the warrior servants. Now, not to get too deep into this, but. Uh, the co- uh, Forerunner Society had a bunch of different rates that you would be born into. You would usually stay in that rate, and you would uh, work towards the betterment of uh, of the Forerunners in general. Um, the Didact was born Shadow of Sundered Star. That was the name that was given him. Um, he was born into the Warrior Servants rate. Um, and real quick, he, Pins, when you say yeah. when you say rate in regards to Forerunners. Um, is that like a, just for anybody who's not familiar with that, is that a social uh, construct? Yes. Like, is that a social cast? Is it it's a, a cast. actual a physical system. morph? Like, you know, what, what can you kind of yeah. detail that out okay. a little bit, just a bit? <clears throat> yeah. Um, when we're talking about rates, um, what we're talking about is uh, it's a caste system. Um, they are, um, it's a formally defined caste system in in a social sense, in Forerunner society. There were physical differences between each of the rates um, from there, and there were a total of seven different rates. Um, Builders, miners, life workers, juridicals, warrior servants, engineers, and theoreticals. Uh, Each one had their own priorities. Each one kind of stayed within their own realm. Um, at the top used to be the warrior servants, um, that they got supplanted by the builders and the warrior servants actually dropped to the lowest cast, um, in, in, uh, from there. But yeah, um, without going really, really deep into it, it's a, it's a social caste system. Uh, you know, essentially you are born into it. You remain into it for your duration of your lifetime. You marry usually marry within that rate your progeny stay in that rate and go from there um that's kind of the quick and dirty of it um because i could go on for an hour <laughs> just on right that. right right i just I, I mean i just wanted to make sure everyone was was on the yeah. same page as us uh, on, at least yeah. on a basic level when we say rate that's you know so mm-hmm. that's okay cool thank no, you no yeah no thank you um and if so if i bring something up that does need a little bit more explanation please let me know uh, we'll do we'll do thank so, you so much i i will say this much i'm starting to wonder if we should have done one on the forerunners first but onward um so anyway um 
The didact, like I said, he was born into the warrior servants. Now, he gained no notoriety. He um, uh, eventually became um, the uh, the head of the forerunner military. Um, he, like, again, like I said, he was born Shadow Sundered Star, but he was given the name didact while he was teaching at the College of Strategic Defense of the Mantle. Uh, and his students gave him that because he was very strict and manding. And I just, yes. no, I just, I love that. That's the source of his name. Like, I just, <laughs> yes, he was the professor. None of us wanted. <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah. Just, but in, in, one other thing I need to talk about, I guess, when we're talking about the forerunners, is the idea of the mantle. Um, it was also known as the mantle of responsibility. It was a, uh, and I'm trying to figure out how the best way to describe this. Um, it's a philosophy of uh, that. It's a philosophy of existence for them. Um, the forerunners, pretty much, it, it's it's kind of a really deep concept. But the four, so I'll try to keep it simple and keep it specifically for what the um, forerunner interpretation of it was. Was that um, the forerunners believed that it is their duty to guide all of. Um, all of the species in the galaxy that um, they're responsible for making sure they don't step out of line, make sure that there's no, um, you know, that no one oversteps their bounds, anything like that. And it, the way that they approached it was kind of a quote unquote benevolent, benevolent dictatorship kind of a thing. But what it also meant was, oh, wait a minute. They're starting to get a little powerful enough to challenge us. No, you're going to get knocked down a little bit. <laughs> Again, that's kind of the quick and dirty of it. Um, I know we have gone over it before and probably spent nearly an hour on it. Um, but again, that uh, the, the mantle was nothing more than a philosophy of how to run the universe or how to run the galaxy. Um, and again, it was kind of a benevolent dictatorship on that. Um, let's see. So... One of the other things about the didact, uh, again, um, he ended up do. Um, he was a very strong believer in the mantle and the guiding for and being that the forerunners were to be the guiding force in the galaxy. Um, he actually did uh, a very unconventional practice in that he married outside of his own rate. Um, he married the librarian who was part of the life worker rate, um, and they had several children. And now all those children became warrior servants. Now, um, when you talk about the didact, um, his story really starts to take off with the war against ancient humanity. Um, in short, humanity had been um, had encountered the flood and had started to push out. Um, you know, kind of doing a uh, fighting retreat away from the infection from the flood infection and trying to get away, which eventually led them to encroach on Forerunner space. Now, the other thing is, the Flood had also... They had found the Flood on Forerunner worlds, and in their in the human experience of fighting the Flood, they knew they needed to essentially wipe the entire planet clean to prevent it from spreading. This, again, of course, brought them into conflict with humanity. Now, even though all of this, and even though the fact that all of the Didact's children died fighting humans... Um, he was a, the didact was a very strategic thinker, um, a very 
um, he his waging of war against humanity was a very was a very reminiscent of the World War Two U.S. strategy in World War Two in the Pacific of island hopping, except this is star hopping. They would hop um, from plate. They would go from one strategic place to another instead of and leave other places alone, uh, kind of like leaving them on the vine to wither and die. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're only so. And it's kind of one of those things that you don't know where they were going to hit next. Um, so eventually, the Didact was able to defeat humanity. Um, the final battle was at a place called Tarum Hakor, um, <clears throat> and they they had essentially pushed humanity back to this place and finally defeated them. Um, now they did not. Um, they at that time they didn't push for the eradication of humanity. Um, what they ended up doing was they essentially devolved humanity to a point where they were at, were a hunter gatherer instead of a starfaring race, and then um, isolated uh, humanity to their home planet of what was Erdotyrene or Earth. Now, even though the Didact had lost his children fighting against humanity, and he he felt that this was just, but he also felt that humanity had the opportunity to essentially to grow um and um be worthy of being part uh, you know being worthy of being part of the galaxy again um so this would actually change later on um one of the things that the didact did realize is that even though the flood had retreated um and you know humanity had seemingly beat the flood he knew that there, he did have some interaction with them, um, so he knew of the danger. And one of the things he really pushed was, he said, he wanted the Forerunners to be vigilant and prepared if the Flood should ever return. His idea was to build a large number of shield worlds, for those of you who played Halo 4, much like Requiem, um, that would essentially be able to hop, uh, do a star hopping campaign. They'd be able to go around the galaxy, um, find... Um, combat the flood, and then move on to someplace else. Um, the the idea of a of a you know, set battles, whatnot. This is not something that they were that they that he pushed. Um, at this point in time, this is when you started to see the builders start to come to power, and they were led by the master builder Faber, who had a different idea of how to combat the flood. His thought was a, a, a super weapons to deal with a flood. By super weapons, we're talking about the Halo Rings. Um, the Didact was definitely against this. He saw it as a, an affront to the mantle and everything it represented. Um, essentially, wiping out the entire universe to combat, you know, wiping out everything, all advancements to defeat one thing, just it was too high of a price in his eyes. He felt that there were other ways to do it. Um, however, through a bunch of political wrangling, the builders ended up gaining power, gaining power, and essentially were able to defeat the the didact. Um, and when the the ruling caste, the juridicals, ruled against him, um, he was ordered to stop the construction of his shield worlds and turn over all of his records to the master builder. Um, he the didact refused. Uh, at this point in time, he was then banished. Um, he was forced into a krypton and where he would be, have, be led into a meditative hibernation, and um, 
essentially would be exiled. One of the things on his last night uh, with his last dinner with the librarian was um, he hoped um, that the humans under her care would not disappoint her because she was a very strong believer in him. So he was banished to this cryptum, um, which think of as, as a as a stasis pod is probably the best way I could describe it. And he was actually banished to, and the librarian placed him in the Jamonkin crater on Earth and hid it away from the master builder. Um, now, the guards that were put in place on this were entities known as war sphinxes. They were large defensive um, craft um, that were there to, uh, that would protect. And actually, the essence of the Didact's children were in those war sphinxes that were protecting his, uh, um, his, his cryptum. He was on Earth for well over a thousand years before he was found by a young forerunner known as Bornsteller Makes Eternal Lasting, who had come to Earth searching for precursor relics. Um, he was awoken, and his awakening kind of notified that the uh, notified the uh, f- other forerunners that he was awake, who sent ships there to take the Didact into custody. The Didact escaped. Um, and um, in his escape, he spoke. He discussed it with Bornsteller. Um, to forerunners have the ability to imprint their consciousness and their memories onto another forerunner. It's known as a brevet mutation, which allows a forerunner to, instead of slowly um, developing, do a a speed develop. Um, and it's known as a brevet mutation. So the didact performed this on Bornsteller to imprint him with all of his memories and his and all of his knowledge. Um, they ended up being captured by the uh, by the master builder and his uh, forces. Um, and at this point in time, uh, Bornsteller was taken away to be tried in front of uh, Forerunner Society, and the didact was thought to be killed. Um, what ended up happening is the master builder uh, banished the didact into what is known what was known as a burn. A burn is a section of space that has been totally and utterly taken over by the flood. Um, these are sections of air- areas that foreigners just gave up on and say, "Nope, we're not going in there." And these were locations that we see. Blue's some blue one of Blue's favorites concepts, key mines come in. Um They're so there. scary. No, you you have a planet sized flood consciousness that can control fleets. What's scary about that? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing <laughs> terrifying about that. <laughs> At all. So um now um while in this burn, he was he had been placed in the burn in stasis, but because of a failure he had awoken. Um, at this point in time, the flood that was there realized that there were live forerunners there and ended up capturing the didact. Um, one thing, in, the didact kind of realized what was going to happen, and he realized that what he wanted to do was he needed to try to get, determined, he was determined to get some kind of answer. Um, so he allowed himself to be captured. Um, but, he, but he thought that he would be killed or just assimilated into the flood. That would have been a lot kinder than what actually happened. Um, when he was captured, he was at, he was immobilized, 
and taken to a flood-controlled ship and was actually confronted by the Gravemind. The, which is, the Gravemind is the overall consciousness of the flood. Um, it's a very powerful being, and what it did um, was it essentially tortured... Uh, the Gravemind tortured the Didact. Uh, he cursed him. Um, he underwent um, unbelievable mental torment um, that essentially cr- ended up cracking the Didact's sanity and morality. Uh, but, again, the Gravemind didn't do all this to kill the Didact. He decided, the Gravemind decided that once he had thoroughly, once the Didact was thoroughly broken, he was put back in a ship and sent back to Forerunner space where he was picked up by the Master Builder, the Master Builder and his people. The whole idea was to sow discord uh, amongst the Forerunners. Prior to this, the Didact, um, <clears throat> excuse me, again, he held very, held very tightly to the precepts of the mantle, but had very specific had lines that he would not cross again he was not for the use of halos he didn't think of this indiscriminate you know we'll just take we'll kill everything to kill the flood no he he believed that that was totally against everything that the forerunners stood for however once he got back because of everything that had happened to him and also because he was forced to give a uh um, he was forced to recall the entire encounter with the grave mind, and he had par- managed to partially shunt some of the memories away, but that was brought forward during the interrogation, and it just further damaged his sanity. Um, he ended up being restored back um, to um, with his privileges, um, but he kind of went on to his uh, into Requiem, which was his main shield world, to work on combating the flood. Um, because of everything that had happened, he felt that the old strategies wouldn't work anymore, so he had to figure out another way to fight the Flood. And so he worked on experimenting on himself to try to genetically modify himself so he wouldn't be able to be inflected with the Flood. Well, that didn't work. Um, what ended up happening was he came up with the idea of taking Forerunners and what, what would be known as composing, meaning essentially taking their biological form, digitizing them and turning them into a robot, uh, into the Promethean Knights that we see in Halo 4 and Halo 5. Um, essentially converted the uh, their essence into digital form. Uh, this is all done through a machine known as a composer. Um, and again, he essentially took all of his Prometheans and turned them into these Promethean Knights. Um, the the knights were able to have a, some success against the flood, but there it was felt that the numbers were too low to really halt everything. So this led to the didact trying to find other sources of um, other options to expand his army. So the essentially what he ended up doing was, um, and forgive me, I'm trying to f- figure out how to properly explain this next part. Yeah, no worries. Um, Okay, when the Didact imprinted himself on Bornsteller, mm-hmm. essentially what he did was he made a, made a copy of himself. It took some time, but Bornsteller actually took on the persona of the Didact. He had all the memories, he had all of his knowledge. Um, it is at this point that you essentially have two Didacts. Um, 
The Ore Didact is the one we see in Halo 4. That's the one we're talking about right now. The Iso Didact is the one that used to be Born Stellar. He is the one that actually activated the Halo Rings. So at this part of the story, um, he the Iso Didact also is the one who continued the relationship with the Librarian, which is a really, really weird thing, but won't go into that part uh, too much. Um, so... They had this reunion between the Ordidact and the Isodidact uh, to try to figure out um, how to move forward. Now, the problem is the, I, the Didact had all of his perceptions views skewed because of the torture. Um, and he, where he had gone, and he actually thought that the Isodidact, who essentially was a copy of himself, was in trying to proceed on fighting the flood in, in the way that the didact was planning on doing it was actually endangering the forerunners and that he had to become more extreme. Um, he felt that the flood favored humanity because they receded prior and he hated that they were specifically targeting the forerunners and that, um, that the librarians favoring of humanity was actually a betrayal of the mantle. So what ended up what ended up happening at that point in time is the planet they they were on under came under flood attack so the everyone left to go to the greater ark uh which was the last place of defense for the forerunner ecumene um it was at this point in time while the other forerunners were doing their best to try to set up a defense that the Ordidact was going to do something else. What the Ordidact did was he went to the Halo Ring, which was located near the uh, the uh, Greater Arc. This was where the Librarian had moved the humans to uh, for safekeeping, and and so with the the idea was you there was a conservation measure being put in place where the Librarian and the Life Workers would go out collect all of the different species and or as many as they could and put them in a safe location so after the halo rays were fired they could repopulate the galaxy the ordidact had so base, again, basically had, just real quick so basically it was like a noah's yeah. ark-esque yes. concept yes okay yeah. yeah that's yeah definitely so um <clears throat> once so what the, the Ordidec did was he went to the Halo Ring and used the Composer and harvested the entire human population on there to turn them into uh, Promethean Knights to add to his army because he felt that this was justified because it was the human's fault that this was all happening. Uh, that the his his scheme was these machine with these machines they'd be able to defeat the Flood that the forerunner would unite under his leadership and at that point in time they would carry out a campaign to eradicate all suspect species that would threaten the forerunners and their hold on the man. Um, the librarian was devastated by the loss of the humans. She had grown to love the race and the species um, and she ended up going to Requiem and essentially attacked the didact, the didact with his back when his back was turned and imprisoned him in a cryptum um, because they felt that he was no longer a uh, no longer a um, a good leader. Um, so, with the idea of much like before, he would be put into a cryptum, 
put it into a meditative hibernation where they would contact, be in contact with the domain, the domain being the central repository of all knowledge for the forerunners, and allow him to heal. Um, however, at the very end of the Flood War, what ended up happening was um, it was found that the domain was vulnerable to the Halo Ray, um, and, but it was found, this was found out once essentially the firing was ready to go, or when it when it was committed. So when the Halo Rays fired and wiped out every all life in existence, <clears throat> it also damaged the domain, which meant that the Ordidact was not left in a place to meditate um, in peace. He was left with his own madness, um, and there he remained until John wakes him up in Halo Four. Um, he again, uh, wants to go ahead. He then proceeded as anyone who's played the Halo 4 campaign knows, he retook power, took off and ended up going to earth to continue with his thought of, of, uh, composing humanity to fight the flood in the final fight on Halo 4. Um, John shoves a pulse grenade into his chest and, um, the didact falls into essentially what was a slip space portal. Um, it was very, it was super effective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we had a boss fight that was decided by a quick time event in Halo four. And then yeah. led to led to one of the most emotional and heartbreaking endings ever. Yeah. But in, yeah, they're, yeah, they <laughs> definitely. So, um, and I'm trying to stay focused here because it's I, it's so easy for me to go drifting off onto something else. So I'm sorry. Well, but I mean, um, like, so so yeah. I guess are we? Do you want to shift over into like the humanity side and talk about you know one of the AIs you know using well, using no, the segue I think, there, I think, or do you want? I think we should. In thinking about it, I think we should probably do a quick touch on the librarian. But librarian, um, okay. Just kind of wrap up on the didact real quick. Um, the didact ended up on another halo ray on installation 03 um he was in a um black team which was a spartan 2 team um went to scout the ha that halo ray ran into the didact and they were all killed he eventually was um compo the, the what ended up happening is blue team and john go on installation 03 and they ended up successfully composing the the or didact now, at this point in time, it is unknown where he was at, um, you know, and it is unfortunate, but it is felt that he is beyond redemption at this point. Um, kind of a lot of information, and I'm sorry, but like I said, I, and, I, and I hope I was able to, to represent it some, he's, the didact is kind of a, tra is a very tragic character. He's had a lot, he has a lot of depth to him, and I've only been able to touch a little bit on it here because we can go all night with it. Um, he started off as kind of, again, maybe on, definitely on a benevolent side. He, he actually forgave humanity for the war. He forgave his, the, the leader of, of the ancient human fleet, uh, army, military that he fought. Um, and he was willing to let, you know, at that point in time, he was willing to let the librarian kind of proceed with her goals of protecting humanity and trying to show them the errors of the ways, which is what the mantle precepts were there for, at least what the forerunners believed. The tragic part is <clears throat> when he gets 
corrupted by the flood, and he comes back, he's a totally changed person, and leading to the one that we know in Halo 4. Um, it, it's it's kind of a sad because it's sad because here's this this figure who is immensely powerful, immensely respected, or he was at one point, and it it kind of shows how powerful the flood is in in forcing this person to change this entity to change into something totally different, essentially making him a madman. Uh, so it's it's the one thing about the Halo Four campaign is you get some of that information. You definitely get more if you watch the cutscenes, um, but the, for the for the full extent of um, the didact and and to really see him uh, as that tragic character, you have to you, you have to be familiar with the Greg Bear novels, um, which I've always found a little difficult to get through. But that's because I'm not used to the writing style. But um, it's definitely worth it. And like I said, he's uh, the didact is a really really interesting character, and three four three did an amazing job writing him. Um, okay, so was going to hold off on this one, but what we'll do is we'll go over the librarian, uh, which is <clears throat> the wife of the didact. Uh, again, she was a forerunner life shaper and head of the life worker rate. Uh, her given name was First Light Weaves Living Song. The forerunners had some interesting names. Um, and she was given the name librarian from her teachers because she enjoyed traveling through great stores of knowledge. Um, she first met the didact on Teroma Corps, and um, that's where they were married. Um, during the war with the humanity, the librarian was part of the Ekamine Council. Um, she actually was the one who initially pushed for immediate retaliation and total extermination of humanity. Um, it was only the didact who was actually to change her mind um, and proposed to follow the teachings of the mantle and say, no, we're not going to totally wipe them out. What we want to do is essentially punish them, which is what they did, um, and send them back to their home world. This was actually supported by the Master Builder when this came out. Um, She conceded to that decision. And while the librarian was very fearful um, of this, she um, respected her husband and his thoughts and kind of uh, went ahead and, and followed his beliefs. So she actually started gaining political power as the wife of the didact <clears throat> um, and eventually was given the rank of life shaper, which is, um, again, that's the, the highest rank that a life worker can get. Um, so it was at this point in time that she had a change of heart at, at, as humanity struggled at Chiromacor. Um, she appealed to spare humanity so the culture could be spared. Um, part of it was so they could determine what they thought made humans immune to the flood. Um, but it kind of fell a little flat because there was the threat of humanity threatening the forerunners. Um, which eventually led to um, some of them, some of the humanity being composed, um, but also uh, them being devolved um, from there. But um, what it ended up doing at this point in time is she really became, studied them more and more, um, 
you know, watch them as they struggled to create a primitive society again. Um, and they actually, and what amazed her was how humanity was actually able to progress. Uh, even though there was a lot of artificially put limits put on them, within a few millennia, humanity actually started to grow past those again. Um, at this point in time, the the humanity had come to see her as a as a goddess. Uh, she and she kind of stopped. She had moved away from them, and she visited it sometimes, but not very often. Um, the when it came to the halo arrays, the librarian was against it, much like her husband, because she felt that it was um, it was against the idea of the mantle. Uh, sorry, but. Uh, which she agreed, ended up agreeing to because she realized that she was going to lose her position and not be able to protect humanity or have any impact on what happened to the didact when he lost his fight with the builders mm-hmm. was um, she agreed to a compromise. She would go forward and agree with the creation of the halo rays, but she would uh, enact what's known as a con- the conservation measure. This was the collecting of species... So- after the halo ray had been fired to repopulate the galaxy. And this was all sentient creatures. Um, and, you know, this allowed her to also be able to kind of control what happened to her husband um, and also choose where he stayed in his cryptum um, and go from there. Now, once the didact was exiled and... Um, <clears throat> Once the didact was exiled, she actually um, needed. To, she felt she needed to remain an asset. So she proposed a, a way to learn about the source of the flood and organized an expedition to a um, to Path Cathona, which is another which was theorized to be the origin of the parasite. And what it ended up being was it was a, it was the home of prehistoric forerunners. Um, and she found that um, the truth behind um, what happened was that the Precursors was another race that had created everything. The Forerunners had re- rebelled against them and driven them off or killed them. Um, let's see here. So the for- if the Forerunners drove them off, yeah. um, how did they... Dis- like, okay, so they drove them out of the age eventually. Okay. The Precursors <laughs> are this a is the true chance... Yeah. They're, they are a transsentient species, meaning they can turn themselves into whatever they wanted. So right. what they did when they realized that they were going to lose is they turned themselves into an inert powder and essentially okay. put themselves on ships and left them to drift just outside the galaxy. What ended up but, happening but is pins, they... But pins, tell them, tell them how they came back. Yeah. What ended <laughs> up happening is they drifted in... They were found by humans. The humans found this okay. test and were interested to see why this was out there. So they did ran tests and everything showed that it was inert. What they found was... Is okay. When they put this, de- this dust on pets known as feru uh, <laughs> that they had, that oh, would make no. them docile. Oh, no. So However, it's Halo's, the pro- it's Halo's uh, equivalent on, of on. Cujo. Yeah. So, oh, but God. in some instances... They're, instead of making it docile, they noticed that in some instances there were these strange growths that would appear. And all of a sudden, they would become more aggressive. And then what ended up happening is these the aggressive ones would attack and infect and essentially would cause others to be infected. So, yeah, the precursors 
in what they did essentially turned themselves into the flood. So okay. yeah. So so the the wait was the flood? Oh god, were the flood there before? No. And then they mm. just they literally they no yeah. The precursor. I just love I love apprehension the apprehension to oh god what did I do the, <laughs> the, the transformation to oh god did I open the store? Yeah. So again, the problem when you start talking about forerunners is there's there's so much there and that kind of a backstory and so I haven't I obviously can't touch it because we will be here till dawn. Right. So kind of the quick and dirty the quick and dirty <laughs> of it is. The forerunners fought the precursors. The precursors decided that, okay, fine, we'll go ahead and we'll come back. We'll figure out something later to do. So they turned themselves into an inert dust. They didn't count on humanity finding them. Humanity found them, did what they did with the whole pharaoh, said, oh, this will, this will make these docile. Well, there's some that aren't. Mm. Oh, well, we won't worry about those until those ones turned into the flood. And it kind of went from there. Well, and the other thing, too, to touch on that also is that the problem with this discovery is that it highlighted something that the forerunners or the yeah the forerunners didn't want highlighted and that is the mm-hmm. fact that humanity was actually supposed to take up the mantle yes the this forerunners was- were not supposed to take up the mantle and they and it was their jealousy over that that actually caused them to start the war with the precursors yes yeah. and so there that's that's the other thing that this kind of blew open with the librarian was mm-hmm or the librarian's discovery was, oh, wait, hang on. We are false. We, we are basically false, mm-hmm. p- false kings of this domain. And, you know, that's something that now I, and I don't, Pins, I don't know you, you might know this better than I, I don't know if that's not, if that's still known to the forerunners at that time, or no. if it was, this, if it was that was, lost. Something that was That was something that was found at Path Cathona. Okay. And so that, so the current, that the, she kept very, I, if I'm, I'm trying to remember, she told the isodidact. I think she may have. Because I, I mean, I guess my that, my point there is like yeah. it's it's the current like so it's easy to say oh well they're just trying to cover it up. No, I think it's legitimately they didn't know this ancient history of their no, own species, and so it was only that's it was a huge discovery on their part because then it also put into perspective. Oh wait, hang on. All of this nonsense is actually so. In for like the didact, it's like the humans are attacking us because of the flood. Well, the flood only existed because the forerunners attacked the precursors, forcing their hand into creating themselves as this dust. So it's like this whole thing is actually kind of a self-serving prophecy of the forerunners' own doing, which is where right. it, it, that's okay. and that's kind of feeding into this tragedy that is the forerunner saga, is like. In it's like a it's like a um, uh, Oedipus Rex con you know Oedipus mm-hmm. uh, prophecy right the self fulfilling prophecy and in, in trying to become in trying to take by force something that wasn't meant for them they actually end up destroying themselves when they should not have been destroyed. Yeah, I mean the precursors saw the forerunners as their military arm, um, but they they felt that humanity was the right one to take the mantle. Um, which, and then the pre- precursors also had a slightly different view of the mantle. There was a very holistic approach, kind of new age kind of thing, but the idea that you don't get involved at all unless you're talking about total extermination of a race. That's the only time you got involved. You let 
you let everyone develop on their own. You let them fight their wars. You let them fall. You let them stumble. That's what you do. So uh, basically, that was the way the precursors felt. That's forerunners are the totally helicopter parents. <laughs> forerunners are mm-hmm. helicopter parents, and precursors are the ah, he'll figure it out. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, so from in reality, like I said, the librarian had become very close to humanity, and then her original husband comes back after being tortured by the flood, um, and ends up composing all the humans that were on the array that were essentially hers. This angers her, and then she essentially, again, puts him back into a... ambushes him and puts him in a cryptum to, to meditate and hopefully heal. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all I, all I hear is... All I hear is <laughs> the, the, the proverbial, bad didact. Go back to your cage and think about what you did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so she goes ahead and she decides to use herself as bait and draw the flood away from the lesser arc where the her the isodidact is to activate the halo race because at this point in time that's the only option left um so she's on earth and she actually gets contacted by the flood um after the countdown had been started for the for the activation of the halo rings and this is where we find out that the domain was is a precursor artifact and the halo rays will wipe it out. And if it's wiped out, that's going to end up causing, you know, the 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 uh, their didact will be the one left to stew in his own madness. But they had no chance to, to stop. So at that point in time, the isodact activated the halo rays, which wiped out all sentient sentient life in the galaxy um, by <clears throat> by by vibrating them to death. Yes. Yeah. Best kind of way to die. I, I would respectfully depends. I would respectfully disagree with you on that one, Green. <laughs> I don't know if we want to get into the whole Le Petit, Le Petit Mort thing right now. No. Oh, oh no. No, 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 that's not no. where. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've been seeing nope. too many hydro hydro. Stream. Yes, you have. You even did that over <laughs> me. Like that that is not even where I was going. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so um the the librarian also had imprints and remnants left. Um and before this all happened, she actually imprinted seeds in humanity that would lead to certain eventualities, those eventualities being John and Cortana to stop the didact. Um, you know, which which explains the cutscene in Halo Four where mm-hmm. she activates that. That's what she's activating when John encounters the librarian and that whole thing. Yes. Of like pop pop, that switch that gets flipped is something that she actually put in place way back. It wasn't a. I know I've seen some people be like, oh well, it's just no. It's it's actually something that I think is arguably in most humanity, isn't it? Like the think, the component well, is. The, the the roots of it were spread throughout all of an, humanity, Le- and as as she puts it, leading to an eventuality. That eventuality being John Cortana and his Mjolnir. So, in essence, um, she planned for someone for a Catherine Halsey to you know someone like that to come around and essentially create the Spartan programs to create the AI so that humanity could evolve. Um, so. And then she activates it, and then um, which allows the chief to actually defeat the Didact. So um, 
she it's hers is the librarian's an interesting one in that she kind of started off as an angry mother um hated humanity for the death of her children but she grew to to love them and realized that they are special in and of themselves and then she ended up eventually finding out why they were that special you know and um you know and eventually to the point where she realized the the threat that her former husband would bring to the galaxy eventually so she put things in place to combat that and i mean kind of an extreme way but she also was that was her way to help protect humanity and allow them to move forward from there again yeah so and yeah wicked she did tell him yeah so okay so yeah that took a lot longer for those two i don't know if we're gonna well i think i think we can we can we can we can save this. Let's let's t- yeah. let's do this. Let's close out with the other character that we were going to talk about originally, that was from in the far past, uh, the original. You know, let's talk about another tragic character, if we will. Yeah. Uh, fall okay. Fall Chavami. So, I, I yeah. understand so, that I am offering up my opportunity to talk about lighter than some, and I just want everyone to recognize just how much that means okay. because lighter. How much you because lighter than some is an amazing character, and seriously, the Huragak are just like probably my favorite race. Okay, so Fal Chavame is a Sanghili warrior, and he was um, he. We come across him in the animated short, The Duel, which I just dropped the link to the, to it on YouTube in the chat. Um, so. Um, this one's probably going to be really... Well, at this point in time, this was very early on in the um, in the creation of the Covenant. This was just not long after the Sangheili and the Prophets um, had joined forces um, to for a common goal. Now, prior to the... At this point in time, the Arbiter was, again, a position of high prominence in Sangheili culture. Um, and the covenant had, had kind of assimilated that into there as well. Um, much like, um, Christianity said, okay, we will celebrate the birth of Christ on, for Christmas on the 25th, which kind of matched up with pagan holidays for winter. (laughs) That was kind of how, um, the prophets kind of saw the arbiter now, but one of the things that they had they said was that the arbiter at this time, Fal Chavame, um, he was he had a great command of the Covenant military and also of his clan. Now the one thing though, he really didn't believe in the concept of the Great Journey. He understood the whole political um the the you know the treaty between the two and all that stuff, but he just didn't believe it. He felt that it was not real, and he actually felt that the Sangheili hmm. lost part of themselves in in buying into this. Um, this, of course, brought him into conflict with the prophet hierarchs. So, um, so in what he really felt was that the Shanshayum, the prophets, used this idea of the great journey to elevate them above the Sangheili when this was supposed to be a partnership. He ends up being brought in front of uh, the Hierarchs, who they wanted him to profess their faith in the Great Journey. Um, He came straight out and said that the Great Journey was a lie. At this point in time, the Hierarch 
who essentially the hierarch that was there called him a heretic. This essentially put a a marker on Fal Chavame. Um, as part of this, other um, a more aggressive member of his clan, uh, who did was a believer in the Great Journey, went ahead and um, yes, uh, went ahead and um, essentially hired assassins to take out Fal. Fal found this out. That's not nice. Yeah, he found this out. Yay, and, politics. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Fal um, found this out and essentially manipulated the situation so the assassins would have to come to him. He defeated all of them. Um, because he's a so, bamf. Yes, because he's the... And that, now, because of this, the, uh, the other members of um, his clan who actually did believe in the whole concept of the Great Journey, they end up killing Fal's wife. And the whole idea is to force the Arb- force him into a duel. Um, he discovers that his wife is, is, is dead. Um, at that point in time, he agrees to fight. Um, now the, and, uh, the member of the clan who is specifically driving all this, his name is Haka. Um, he went to go face Haka. However, um, there was a enormous covenant military detachment, which was sent to kill him. And if you watch the video, it, it, it is a massive group. It is a massive group consisting of grunts, <laughs> jackals, other elites, hunters. They didn't waste and anything. Now <laughs> just takes them behind the woodshed and beats them like redheaded stepchildren. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, he then ends up f- meeting off against Haka on top of a structure, and to start their duel. Now the duel is um, essentially a one pass for each. At which point in time, Haka does score a mortal blow against Fal, but Fal buries his plasma sword blade into Haka, so both die. Um, the 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 main thing about this is that this is the point in time where the Covenant um, take the Arbiter title and um, turn it from a a title of respect to a title of um, not banishment, but uh, essentially a title. Yeah, a title shame. Um, from this point forward, the arbiter is, you know, if you're named arbiter, it's because you've done something to bring shame or scorn on you, and this is the only way that you're ever going to gain honor back. Most most likely, you will die while doing this. Well, and I was going to uh, say that's also where the idea of the arbiter being a suicide mm-hmm. assignment basically comes from, is because right. When he took up that duel, that was the, yep. you know, kind of the thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, this, of course, plays right into Halo 2. Into, I would argue, one of the most, what ended up being one of the most beloved characters in all of Halo, in the Arbiter. Uh, I think a lot of that is because of Keith David's voice acting. Um, but, you know, everybody, at this point in time, everybody loves the Arbiter. No one, there weren't many who loved him at the time Halo 2 came out. But um, he was really, really, um, again, this is where, um, you know, the the idea was, okay, you're going to become our arbiter. You're going to die anyway, but you'll at least bring some honor back to yourself after you've dishonored yourself in allowing the pillar of autumn to escape. So, yeah. Um, And like I said, a lot of these characters, 
that I mentioned and the ones that I know we don't have time to get to. Um, I'm not doing their story the greatest justice uh, because there's a lot of nuances and a lot of everything, a lot of stuff there. But it's like uh, Blue said earlier, your main characters form the skeleton, um, but these secondary characters are what actually get breathe life into the into the universe itself. It it gives it diversity, gives it nuance, and there are so many of these inside of not just Halo, but every major. Um, you know every major uh, franchise that has a has an extended lore. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's good to get. And I was trying to tell this today is you get a basic, st- obviously story missions, yeah. right? But there's so much more to the world that most people tend to don't go be what happens to their character. They don't learn. Hey, what is this other guy's? What happened to them? Things about lore diving in yeah. general, trying to teach beyond the base, beyond what they mm. see, and you know. Destiny and Halo share this. It's like, uh, you want to say, oh, well, I have a question about this. Well, to really understand that, you need to know, like, these three things here so you can fully understand what's going on with this. And, uh, like I said, I, I could I could go on and on on this. But I also know that everyone here needs to get to some gets to sleep. <laughs> so No, I mean, well, and I think I think here here's... here's no, no, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but we could, and Pins, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer to help. If you want, we could figure out maybe a way to write some articles about those characters, like put into words kind of our own views of them and kind of at least give, you know, give people if they're interested in that, we could put those up. Um, Or we could also, I mean, if we want to do audio supplements for this, we could also talk about maybe doing something like that. I can can definitely see about that part. Yeah. I mean, I um, guess my my other thing on the topic of lore exploration, too, is I I think, you know, the, the Halo community and the destiny community both have this in in common um is the need to keep an open mind with mm-hmm. the development of mm-hmm. stuff too because you know you see that a lot in i mean i i'm gonna pick on the halo community just a bit it's it's not negative towards them but you see that a lot with every announcement that comes out about halo there's always the oh well, that that armor is not the the right armor or that's not the right i don't even know like weapon or whatever and it's 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 again kind of you know when we were talking about that in the intro session it's like you know part of that is the way that the medium is presented part of that is understandably if i read a a, read a novel i have my own preconceived notion of what something would look like um comic books kind of help and hurt that because they actually have the visual components um, mm-hmm. But when when you translate that into a different medium, sometimes the translation things get lost in translation, um, and so there's there's sometimes that component also that needs to be restated as gently as possible. Is this might not live up to your mental picture of what something is, or it might. I mean, it might be time for an artistic change. There are that is a possibility. You know that that does happen. Um, oh yeah. But that doesn't just because it's something that's like not the same shade of gray that you wanted it to be or, you know, what are what's what's the the undersuits, I guess, is there's a big debate over the undersuits. And I didn't even understand why that's a problem. But anyways, apparently they're they're going back to the black undersuits in Halo in Infinity, right? Or Infinite. God, I keep wanting to call it Infinity and it's not Infinity. That's the ship. Um, Anyways. So anyway, but anyways, um, 
but it's like you know sometimes it's just artistic expression sometimes they're you know whatever so but i, I think that's something to just to kind of call out to especially with the in reference to our very very first conversation about the tv show coming out too mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean but yeah i can definitely it's definitely true um there's a lot of story um in the halo universe there's a lot of different ones and uh they they all have a point to be told. Um, they don't. Not everything appeals to everybody, uh, but they all have worth, and and they all, like I said, they all, for whether you like it or not, whether you consider it good or not, it adds to the to the universe as a whole, and it does make it more alive. Okay. How are you feeling? I need water. <laughs> I'm a little dry. I'm yeah. a little parched right now. <laughs> Good job. Uh, okay. Like I said, I, I'm sorry about not getting to everything, but uh, yeah, we'll, I'll work with Blue. Blue will work on that and figure out something to to get the out the yes people. Even because I know, like a, go I mean, even if it, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because I think I think those are I like I love hearing like the summaries of different stuff, like the whole thing with like the forerunners, like the the forerunners mm-hmm. and the precursors, and like not 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 like. <clears throat> Not the 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 facts, you know, but like the implications of the facts, like the the revelation of what actually caused the whole thing, and like the connection between everything being revealed. That hey, look, the flood, which is the central problem between these components, actually exists because of X, and that happened because of this, and you know, the people who are being presented as these high and mighty heroes, well, they're actually the ones that because of a a dishonest thing they did in the past, you know, and it's like this whole like Greek, again, the Greek tragedy type thing of like the whole thing. And I, I love that type of, um, story structure that, you know, whether it's Bungie three, four, three, you know, whatever, whatever studio is currently doing the work, they all kind of do consistently kind of lovingly craft these very, very big narratives about that about this universe and that's one of the reasons halo i think keeps coming up in our polls Mm -hmm. i think that's why the demand for it is so high on you know every time i try to i try to space them out um to give (laughs) pens pens a chance to breathe but you know i i think that that's where that interest comes from is because there are these like there there's the base story you know green you kind of mentioned that with those like the story missions there's there's that base story Mm-hmm. And then there's there's that that underlying story that's in the expanded universe, and then there's the, and then you know there's that that further thing where it starts showing like all the connections, and that's that's what I love kind of getting a chance to look at and seeing because that's where it's just like there's so many cool connections that are just endlessly fascinating, and it's like oh that's why this like small little thing over here reconnects over here you know like uh, who cares who cares we found dust that makes our dogs more peaceful yay like no one it's not a big deal but then but then you look at like you know i think it was like what a hundred years or something down the road all of a sudden they're mutating and they're eating each other and it's like wait hang on wait a minute oh okay this gradual i mean and it's in halo as a story spans like eons and there's actually and there's actually detailed like accounts across all those years. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, Destiny Destiny also spans arguably eons, but like in and Halo has, you know, what, nearly two nearly a decade, maybe even a decade and a half build on Destiny. So, you know, I'm not 
Yeah, definitely not. But it's, ap- it's apples and oranges. But like, yeah, but Halo, Halo's timeline is just robust. Like, there's so many of these small connections all over the place, and that's what makes that's to me that's what makes it interesting. That's why I love Elder Scrolls. It's because it's very yeah. similar. It's just, yeah. Well, I can tell you right now that it in that one spreadsheet that I once did that listed like <laughs> all of the stories, games, comics, all that stuff, like and broke each the scenes down. There were over four hundred lines of four hundred entries in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, that was a massive massive yeah, work. And I'm kinda of still working on that, but this time I'm actually breaking out all the missions. So yeah. Oh man. Okay. And Pins is Pins is almost as bad of a masochist as I am with yeah. the yeah, you both yeah. were bad about that. The, well, the, and I think this 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 is approaching yes, Osiris mind map level. Yeah, I was about to say. I think it's oh, I think God. it's also because that's how I, I I would think you know for me at least that's how my brain organizes the information. Um, because then you can kind of go back and you can you know like when I'm inputting it, it's like okay, da, 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 da. and then like you go back and you're like oh. That's when you see like those data trends, you know. That's mm-hmm. like that arc and stuff. That's where all that work is worth it because you see that 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 slope or that you know that graph of information, if you will. At least that's yeah. me. I don't know, Pins, if that's similar to. I imagine it is because you format it very similar to the way I format things. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it comes down to okay, you you it, it's a way to visualize what's actually happening, and you start seeing, oh wow, this is all happening in parallel. Yeah, I mean, it's the the best one is, and the most easiest one to point out is Halo 3 ODST. <laughs> Halo 3 ODST okay. picks up right after Tropolis in Halo 2 and kind of essentially spans through the end of Halo 2, I believe. You know, so, I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's an I entire, think that's, that's, that's a, that's a totally, that's all parallel to that, to the, at that point in time, you have two games that are paralleling each other. And, uh, yeah, so it's 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 interesting because you're seeing all this stuff happening. Once you list it out, it's like, oh, this is all happening at the same time. Wow. So anyway, all right. So, uh, shout outs for you, pins. Um, again, um, I want to thank uh, Blue and Green, you guys, and everyone in chat who came out to listen to me ramble. Um. There are day I really don't know why you keep having me come back, but anytime you want me back, I will. <laughs> For Halo, I I do appreciate it. Um, I really do enjoy getting to talk about it, and I appreciate that you guys come to me for that. And I hope I I hope I just I just hope that I do you got do it right by you guys for that. So um, yeah, that's why I keep. If coming anyone back. has any, if anyone has any criticisms, please let me know. I, I'm always looking to trying to improve my uh my presentation on stuff uh from that too um so big thanks to focus fire chat um you guys are second family so thank you um the other thing is and this is something i posted in discord um there's a lot of um we see it a lot with destiny people doing art and comics i mean you know there's a lot of great stuff out there and i actually came across something here for halo um it is and i just posted it in the twitch chat um it's a fan comic created by this by a guy named justin gross gross gene 
Um, it's called A Little Bit Lucky, and it takes place after Halo 5. It's a fan comic uh, for a discussion between John and Catherine Halsey, and it is amazing. Uh, the art is amazing. The story is great. Um, I know this was actually featured on the the um, Halo.Bungie.org. Um, it, it's it's worth... Um, it, it's, a, it's a short read, but it's worth it. Uh, again, you can see, there's a lot of things that 343 touches, but there's a lot of little moments that fans will step up and fill in. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen it in Destiny, and this is something that was done in Halo, and I just, I just think it's really great. There's a lot of good callbacks to um, some of the past stuff in Halo. There might be a couple of things that... I've, I'm, discussions may not fully fit, but the feeling behind it is great. Um, again, I think it's really well written. The dialogue is believable, and I think the art is just perfect for what um, Justin was pushing. Uh, Justin Grosjean was pushing through on this. Um, I really recommend giving it a quick read, um, and if you like it, just leave some leave some feedback for him on it because he's talking about doing another one, um, and I think it's I. I I just think it's great. So, um, yeah. Awesome. And I will, I will definitely, let me grab, if you pins, uh, send me that link and I will put it in our show notes as well. But, uh, green, what about you? you? Thank you so much. Uh, green. What about, what about you? Shout outs wise. My shout outs are the various members that have been along for the ride with, uh, me kind of getting settled back in the flow of things as far as less um, show who has been been crying shoulders helpful always sometimes it's been kind of a long it's been a long year so far and many of you kind of you don't but I, it's just a shout out to all of you guys just amazing fan family amazing everything this last year a lot easier it's been it's not been an easy year but you've made it and yeah and I mean I'm I'm not. I'm not going to be able to follow that up with any justice. So, uh, again, I will. I will second both of those. Uh, be sure. I will. Like I said, I will include the link to the. I think what is it? It's a little bit lucky. Uh, yep. Justin. Justin. Is it Grosjean? Grosjean. I. Th- I think it's Grosjean. Grosjean. Okay. Um, yeah. I will include that link. So be sure. Be sure if you're interested in the Halo uh, story. Be sure to give that a read. Um, you know, and kind of doubling down on that. Oh, yes, I will also include the dual a link to that. If you're if you have a subscription to Netflix, Legends is on Netflix as well, and you can watch the entire uh, the entire video. It's it's uh, six. I want to say it's like six mini videos six stories six stories from six evolutions stories. right it was it was yeah. evolutions and then when it got translated well, into video no, it was legends no, no, not all not all of them were evolutions. not all of them Some of those okay stories, okay not all of them a lot of the like the duel was not in evolutions these are actually no actually these are all original stories in the halo universe and they were all done by d- different anime companies right well, but they had headhunters in, in there no 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 Head- anime no no headhunters was actually a total was a motion comic that was uh, okay. Okay. That included uh, it was um, headhunters. Um, there's four of them, and I can't remember. Uh, no, yeah, that's fine. Hard to Mythlothian. Then, yes, yes, that one, midnight. Oh god, that was uh, a good one too. And then uh, the, what the, was the other were, one? There was there another. Were, there was a did uh yeah. Uh, anyways, anyways, if you know if you know what I'm talking about, go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, Legends is on Netflix. It's awesome. 
the duel is part of legends uh and so mm-hmm. yes i encourage you to go watch that uh those links i will i will put those in our show notes um you know and again just reiteration on thank you so much for community uh you know we've gotten i've gotten a couple good feedbacks this week i uh, really appreciate it it meant a lot to me um i've shared them with green and i know she she agreed with me that they are good criticisms will will it was constructive criticism as well as some other positive notes that we wanted to or we like to hear um but we appreciate it and and that is to say if there is a content creator out there that you do enjoy whether it's destiny halo uh web comics or whatever you know take take a couple minutes reach out to them and tell them good job because i know sometimes it feels like that might be something that happens all the time for these people for for content creators um it isn't uh a lot of times what gets communicated is criticisms without any compliments and so, you know, take take a couple minutes and just reach out to, you know, that artist, you know, uh, Destiny Community has amazing artists and just reach out and say, you know, just say good job. You know, like this, this is awesome. You know, it's, it, it means the world to those people and it means the world to all the creators out there. So as usual, um, thank you guys for sharing your time with us this evening uh, and, and we'll see, we'll You'll hear us as it goes through the week. I I don't know, Green. Should I just say bye, or should I say until next time, goodbye? That okay. Works. All right. So yep. we'll do we'll do that one. Bye. <laughs> with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.